For more interviews with leading figures in Asia from the world of business and beyond, head to the App Store or Google Play to download the Tiger Hall app. Getting a job at Google is statistically 10 times more difficult than getting a place to study at Harvard. High-growth tech firms like Google, but also like Facebook, Twitter, Apple, Amazon and Gojek, are some of the world's most highly sought-after places to work. We're in the Tiger Hall with Renaud De Silva, Senior Vice President at Gojek and former APAC Head of Marketing at Facebook. Renaud, I want to hear from you about how to succeed once you've landed that dream position. Could you start by telling me what kind of personality type tends to do really well in this environment? Well, Pippa, there are three things that I've observed over the years that I've spent in this, uh, in this sector. The first is it's people with an ability to collaborate. The second is it's people with an ability to adapt and be flexible because technology is a sector where things can change every week, every fortnight, every quarter at a pace which you haven't seen in any other industry. The third is an ability to take the initiative without necessarily being told what to do because your job will evolve as the technology evolves, as the opportunities available to your company evolve. There are a few things I've seen also that work well. One is that people who can work in teams. We have this concept in the industry called the pod, which is a team that is just the right size to have two pizzas for lunch. If it's bigger than that, collaboration is difficult. The second is this concept that it's not about you. It's not about you, your success, what you're doing. You've got to have a higher purpose to what you want to do. So even when you take the initiative... For you to achieve success, you've got to bring people with you. You've almost got to create a coalition of the willing of people who come together and say, we'll help you do this. Even if that's not what they were asked to do and that's not, you know, their job definition. And I've seen this happen again and again and lead to some really good products, features and initiatives. And related to that is this concept that don't wait for permission all the time. Because often these are cultures where initiative is rewarded. And if you ask for permission, there'll always be somebody who says this can't be done, this shouldn't be done. But if you take the initiative, you have a good purpose and you bring people along, you will usually find a way to make something very, very useful happen. I'm wondering, is it really all it's cracked up to be? I mean, there are so many (laughs) rumours that we hear about, well, not rumours necessarily, but a fully stocked pantry, free massages. I mean, it sounds like a wonderland. But are there any myths that we commonly hear that actually people are so keen to get into these organizations and then they'll get there and realize it's actually not quite as exciting as it sounded. Some of the rumors are true. I won't tell you which ones. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I don't know entirely about the myths because one has to know what people are talking about. But here are some of the realities. One is that it is about structured thinking, hard work, collaboration and flexibility. And it won't be very different from what you need to succeed in any other company. It's simply that the pace of work is faster because it is driven by tech that's evolving really fast. The second is that your goal here, the reality is that your goal should be to solve people's problems and make a difference. I sometimes encounter people, especially younger people, who are very taken in by, you know, this culture of worshipping people who've been successful in technology because they have achieved wealth and success. And I keep reminding them, please focus on the fact that these people are where they are because they set out to solve problems. And if you take that as your motto, you will always succeed. Don't worship at the altar of making, creating wealth. Worship or put your talents to work for the purpose of solving people's problems. The third is that data and tech skills are valuable. And some of the rumors you've heard are really simply what companies have found necessary in certain parts of the world to attract scarce talent with data and tech skills. 
But what's essential beyond that here is collaboration skills. And there are two kinds of collaboration skills which are needed, I find, more and more. One of these is EQ, which is really about being able to collaborate with people. But the other is something that I call MQ, the ability to collaborate with machines, with computer systems. Think about someone you know who's really good at asking the right questions or putting the right phrases into Google and gets the results that they're looking for versus someone who's using the same tool but not getting the same quality of results. At a much higher level of complexity, that's what you will encounter in a tech company. And so your ability to learn how to use different data and tech tools and learn how to collaborate with the information and the flows coming from those tools, I think makes a difference. Okay, how about in this incredibly competitive recruitment phase that people have to go through? I mean, if you had to boil it down to, to three qualities, what are the businesses looking for in new recruits? Actually, we're looking for three things. And let me again use slight metaphors of IQ, EQ and MQ, right? IQ is the hard skills. It depends on the role. They may be data skills, computer science, engineering, or they may be marketing skills, right? But there are hard skills related to each role and you've just got to be good at those. The second is EQ, which is collaborating with people. Usually we are looking for people who have the kind of personality, who have the kind of values where they will work with others, they will share credit with others, you know, they will bring people together to make something happen. And finally is, is this concept of MQ, which is designing, collaborating and getting the best out of software systems. Okay, I think you've perhaps touched on this a little already, but I'm wondering when it comes to communication skills, are there any key differences when compared with more traditional businesses? Are there any key do's and don'ts? I think there needs to be far less ambiguity in this sector. So you've got to have clarity of purpose. You must almost write down, in fact, you have to write down in most of the companies that I've seen, you have to write down a charter or a narrative of what it is you're trying to achieve, why that needs to be done. And then you've got to share this and get advice to make your plan better. We've got to remember that these companies are successful because they are a meritocracy of ideas. They are not a hierarchy of people. So sometimes people might come from a traditional company and where they're used to decisions being made by someone just because they occupy a certain position or they have an opinion because they're, you know, they're experienced or an expert. But here we find that it's the meritocracy of ideas. It's evidence backed by data not opinion or rank that makes the decision happen. Are there any particular challenges that perhaps aren't necessarily obvious that would come in the way of someone succeeding in one of these high growth tech firms? Well, you spoke earlier about, uh, about myths. And I think more than myth, there are certain uh, phrases which you hear a lot associated with the tech industry. And I think believing a bit too much in some of these phrases can certainly come in the way of succeeding. One of the things you hear sometimes is move fast and break things. And I think it's far more important to adopt the motto, first do no harm, then move fast and break things because you have no idea how much harm you can create somewhere in the world if you move fast and just break things. The second is this belief that we're all here to save the world, make it a better place, etc. And I think that we would do far better people and companies would be much more successful if they say we're here to solve people's problems. Here is a specific problem that my company is here to solve and we will be successful and have a good business because we are the best or one of the best at solving this problem. Let's keep the saving the world aside for Masihas and those kinds of people. The third, which you see sometimes, is that because of some of the perks that you get, you know, and you, you mentioned the, uh, the massages, I can, I can neither confirm nor deny their existence, but because of some of the perks you get, which are often very nice, they can develop a sense of entitlement. And 
I find that successful people here are the ones who have a sense of service, not a sense of entitlement. And finally, there's one of the biggest things that you keep hearing is that we're here to disrupt, disruption, etc. And I think that the reality is that people want their problems solved. They don't want their life disrupted. They don't want their economies and their jobs and their societies disrupted. And so as a whole, the industry and the people working in it have got to focus far more on sustainability and enablement and far less on disruption. We discussed before that anecdotally, people who have worked for more sort of traditional firms, when they come to work for for these sort of very sexy seeming tech firms and then don't do that well. Do you have any examples or anything a bit more you can say about that? I think there have been a number of examples if you look around uh, and if you just sort of see the news, etc., about people who are very successful in senior roles, leadership roles uh, at traditional companies coming in and then finding it difficult to get a handle on what was happening and difficult to make an impact. Uh, simple Google search uh, would, would show you that. In just the last few weeks, we've had news of people like this being asked to leave several tech companies. I think also the reverse is true sometimes. You know, and you don't see a lot of examples of this, but I wonder to what extent someone who has spent their entire career in a tech company would be, and you know, has therefore become a celebrated business leader, would be able to go into a traditional company with all its complexities, you know, of physical supply chains and, you know, financial discipline and so on. To what extent would somebody be able to make that move and be successful, right? And so I think we have to, whenever we are making these kind of transitions, we have to be extremely humble about the fact that we are almost at the start of our careers when we make these moves. And a lot of the frameworks, the paradigms, the notions that we have are not relevant in the sector that we have now entered. Once we understand that and we take it upon ourselves to learn what is really important here? What is this company trying to achieve? What really makes a difference in making this company successful? I think people who do that are probably making far better transitions one way or the other. So is the general day-to-day structure quite different to a traditional firm? I'd say the business models are certainly different. Uh, although, of course, there are companies which have a blend of physical and digital infrastructure, you do tend to find that traditional companies, older companies, let's say, have a far greater reliance or far greater legacy systems, ways of doing things. And so imagine someone who spent their career learning how to be effective within that structure. And now you come into a completely different structure where all the supporting resources are not there anymore. You might have to do things like booking your meetings yourself. You might have to do things like writing a bit of code to automate a process yourself. And you've never done that in your life. So these things do make it difficult sometimes to make that transition. But I think the biggest factor is the speed of change. If a company has existed for 100 years, it has a certain way of doing things. And yes, it's getting better and better incrementally all the time. But there's never going to be any very dramatic changes which happen to it unless it's something that happens externally. And even that would take a few years to unfold. Here we are talking about companies which have gone from being you know, primarily desktop oriented and then deciding to become 100% mobile oriented one day. And then making that transition within a matter of months. That speed of change, right? Uh, Imagine you're creating a new physical product. It would take you six months to three years to develop this, test it, and finally bring it to market. Here, because you've got a global software platform in some cases, or a regional software platform, you can develop a new feature every week and roll it out to millions of people with the push of a button. And so being able to adapt to that pace of change I think, is the most important characteristic of people who've successfully made the transition. 
If you had to boil it down to one thing, what is the number one key mindset that someone should adopt to succeed? Be helpful, try and make a difference to others, make an impact, not just for your company, but for the people whose problems you're trying to solve. Okay. And if you had to choose just three things, what are three actionable steps that a professional who's wanting to succeed in a high growth tech firm, what can they do in the short term in the next 24 hours or a week to get better at achieving this? Study the skills that people are looking for. Ask some hard questions about whether these skills are sustainable. Is the field that you're looking at a field that is going to be one where you can learn and grow and build a career long term? Or is it something which is at risk because of artificial intelligence or automation or one of the new technologies. Once you've chosen a field, make sure you acquire the right skills and the right qualifications. Our industry is very much about proving that you're good at what you do, earning your title, we call it, right? It's not your qualifications, it's showing the work. So do some work, put some, put some examples of your work on the table and you'll probably have a much better chance of being considered because the work speaks for itself. Do consider that this isn't just about working solo, it is about collaborating with people. And any experience that you have in life, which helps you get better at that, thinking about that and consciously getting better at that will help.